and welcome. You are listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. We really hope that you enjoy and benefit from this episode. Hello folks, welcome to this week's edition of the saleschatshow.com, saleschatshow.com driving your sales forward. I am here again with the uh, usual suspects, Mr. Phil Jessup, Mr. Graham Jones and myself, Simon Hazeldean. And on this session, um, Phil's going to kick this off about auditing your customers' perceptions. Phil. Thank you, Simon. Uh, So if we picture the scene then, um, we've put a lot of sales effort in to win these customers of ours. And let's imagine that we've now been servicing that customer for a couple of years. Uh, The risk is that we fall into a bit of a complacent rut. Uh, So maybe we need to find out how we're doing and ask the customer a few questions to uh, measure our performance, identify opportunities for the future, all of that stuff. Um, As you know, some uh, research has taken place on customer behaviour and uh, allegedly 68% of customers will switch suppliers due to perceived indifference. Uh, I'm choosing my words carefully there. That does not mean it's true necessarily. Um, but the customer thinks that we don't care anymore. The customer thinks that we don't love them anymore. So if there was a process in place to find out how customers feel, uh, then that, I think, has got to be a good thing. So uh, that's the uh, route that I'm going down. So if we were to ask the customer some questions to find out how he or she feels about what we're doing, uh, how would we do that? And what questions uh, would we be asking the customer, do you think? Um, I think before you ask them the questions, isn't it about showing them that you aren't indifferent? Um, it's about making sure they feel loved. Yeah, so, you know, there you are. You've got this nice young lady on your arm when you're a teenager. And, you know, you wonder why she disappears um, because you haven't told her and shown her that you love her. And, uh, you know, until you learn that, you know, you're never going to keep a girlfriend or a boyfriend very long. So that suggests so we ought to be saying constantly reminding you. them we love them. Yeah. Okay. And I, I think um, I, I have had the experience of winning business from current incumbents. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure everyone listening has also, and, and and everyone here has done that. And I'm particularly mindful of one time where we we basically won the uh, negotiation training contract for a, for a large client away from one of the market leaders. And when we did the feedback, it was that the company felt that they were starting to be taken for granted and that in terms of coming to prepare for meetings, etc., the existing supplier was being a little bit, you know, unprepared. It was turning up and it just seemed to be going, going through the motions. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting, when we did the win review back at, back at the ranch afterwards, um, I think my main lesson wasn't, hey, how great were we because we won the business? My concern was, where might we be being complacent with our existing customers? And just saying that to yourself is just looking through the customer base you've got and saying, where might we be a little bit complacent, maybe taking the customer for granted? You know, there's a cliche I heard one time is, today's complacency is tomorrow's crisis. 
So you might have the existing rolling revenue mm. run Good. rate business now. Good point. You can't yeah. gu- you can't guarantee it, and I think I think we can all run the risk of becoming a little bit complacent mm. with 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 customers. I I think that um, if a government law is passed saying that you could only ask the customer three questions to find out how we're doing. <laughs> Uh, my three questions would be, where are we meeting your expectations, where are we exceeding your expectations, and where might we be falling short? Uh, because how we are performing against the customer's expectation is the scorekeeper, that's the measurement. Yeah. Um, and really, any other question that we ask uh, is going to fall out of one of those three questions. So for me, uh, those three questions are very important, and when I'm doing uh, uh, work with my own customers... Uh, I often tell them that those are the three questions I would like to ask them in a couple of weeks' time when I come along and see them for the quarterly review meeting or whatever, because they think about it before I get there. They might talk to some colleagues about it before I get there, uh, and that, uh, that that's always uh, rich in feedback. So any, any other thoughts on what your uh, questions would be if uh, a, a law was passed saying you could only have three? Well, I'd, I'd, I'd say that any, any decent salesperson worth their, worth their money would know where to go with those questions. You know, those are the starting questions, and I think you could probably then continue to probe and dig deeper into those into those areas. Yeah. I like them because they're very simple, they're very straightforward, and it allows you to then go wherever the customer goes in terms of in terms mm. of the feedback. Mm. So I think you could over you could over engineer this mm. process and have a very sanitized list of questions. This feels like a sort of a semi structured interview. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, I, I think. I think for me, it is a semi-structured interview. Yeah. Uh, I think finding out how, how customers uh, feel about what we're doing, it, it does have a hint almost of a uh, an annual appraisal or a twice a year type of appraisal that we're doing uh, uh, with the customer to really uh, get real about it. Uh, my my own experience of it is that very often um, customers love this type of meeting because they're talking about their stuff. And uh, very often a second cup of coffee arrives, not just the one. Uh, and I think yeah. at the second cup of coffee, uh, it's also a very good opportunity to change gear and start to talk about the future, maybe, mm. about how the customer's business might be twisting and turning and changing and what are they trying to achieve and how can we help them with that and what are we, uh, what could we do that we're not currently doing? Uh, where might they uh, uh, have some future needs that we haven't uh, identified as yet? Yeah, my guess is the final question, where are we falling short, might be, although that sounds like a dangerous question to ask, yeah. that, actually might, that actually might be the one that gives you the most sales opportunities yeah. because they're starting to talk about things you're not doing and being potential problems. Potential yeah, problems. <clears throat> it does sound like a dangerous question, but I think the, the, there is nothing the customer can say uh, that for me is dangerous. Uh, what is dangerous yeah. um, is if they're feeling it, but don't say it. Yeah. Or yeah. they are saying it to a colleague, yes. and we don't know about that. Uh, we're simply basking in the glory of the last yeah. happy sheet uh, yes. that the customer sent round. Um, but behind the scenes, the customer isn't happy and is and is planning to. Uh, uh, to go somewhere else. So, but I don't think it's a kind of you know twice a year process. I think it's a constant process. I mean, if you go back to my girlfriend analogy, you 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 don't sit your girlfriend down at the end of the year and go, so tell me, darling, how did I do this year? You know, have, have I done all the right things for you? Um, and can we review the kind of things where I could improve yeah. my? She mentioned that to me oh, when, I, when I saw her. <laughs> yeah. Whereas you know, throughout your 
courting process, I'm giving my age away now when I say courting, aren't I? But throughout your courting process, you know, that first flush of love and relationship building, you're asking constantly, do you like that kind of thing? You know, when you tickle her behind her ear or whatever it is, and she says, don't do that, I don't like that, or do this, I like that. You're constantly, constantly monitoring. Fine-tuning. To make sure that you constantly improve and therefore you are delivering what that individual wants. And I think as salespeople that we often fall into the trap of not doing that constant kind of keeping in love with the customer. I I think that's totally unrealistic, Grant. And um, if you think about relationship with girlfriend, wife or whatever, uh, it's almost impossible to do this, uh, you know, little check that you're outlining uh, every single day. What tends to happen uh, when we go away on holiday or a birthday or a Valentine's Day or a meal in the restaurant it's those set pieces where in a relationship people start to really see things clearly and they just touch base about okay and and you have those conversations on holiday abroad very often because it just becomes clearer and easier to see can you you see it in the moment i don't think you can okay so that's why there's there's two schools of thought that's why i think the semi-formal process of the quarterly customer view rather than trying to do it every single day i think what we haven't got is your semi-formal process is great you know we certainly need to do that but i think the the problem is for many salespeople is there's no means of capturing yes the information that you get that you might even get subconsciously that you might be getting in little kind of hints as they talk to you about the level of service they've had or the pricing position or all those kind of things that indicate whether or not they feel indifferently to you know they feel you're indifferent to them um we've got no means of capturing that and collecting that and working out what that is so certain salespeople will log it away and think about it but how does that help the organization you know all the individual salespeople there needs to be a way of constantly capturing this information from people Mm. and so what i think your system of your twice a year reviews is great because that's a, a capturing device. We ask those three questions, we get our answers, and we can review what we're doing and not show indifference as a result. <clears throat> um, but that that's one way. But is there a better way of capturing this information as often as we possibly can? Mm-hmm. Well, certainly all this sort of information should be logged into CRM systems yeah. by salespeople on an ongoing basis. And, you know, very good idea for sales managers and sales directors to sometimes attend those customer audits, customer meetings themselves, but also to ask, challenge their salespeople about the level of the relationship. I think that's an excellent point because if a salesperson is um, visiting uh, two customer contacts at the same time, same meeting, yes, at the end of the meeting, the salesperson can say before they go, uh, can you give me some feedback on this or can you give me some feedback on that? And, of course, the two contacts will say something. But the piece of feedback that is most important to that salesperson is the piece of feedback they're never going to get, i.e., what do those two people say to each other when the salesperson has left the room? Do they turn to each other and say, the salesperson's lost the plot? Or do they turn to each other and say, he or she is still very much on it, let's carry on using them? So your mention, Simon, of the inclusion of the sales manager or the sales director, they will get by definition a different set of uh, you know intelligence bits and pieces coming back Uh, it will be different it will be more objective Mm. so I think good salespeople good account managers are 
clever enough to mobilise a colleague, not necessarily the boss, but to mobilise a colleague or mobilise the boss uh, to go and assist on this type of uh, auditing, if you want to call it that, uh, auditing exercise. I think technology is going to come to the rescue here because um, already uh, built into some mobile phone devices and coming your way in the next year or two are emotion sensors. And so it will be able to detect that you know the, the, the customer that you're facing is being very nice and polite to you, but you can detect through your mobile phone that their emotions are really saying, actually, we're being polite, but we don't really like you because you're not showing you like us enough. Mm. And so there are going to be technological solutions to this kind of constant, you know, what's this person really thinking? Now, those kind of things are being tested and being used at the moment. There's a few gimmick kind of games out there yeah, at the moment. Yeah. But there are, you know, some universities in America are researching this. There's lots of research papers about emotion sensors to really detect what people are, are really thinking about us. And when we know what they're really thinking, you know, in the moment, then perhaps we can demonstrate better care and attention to them and, and avoid that sense of perceived indifference okay so but in the meantime of course we are going to need to ask these questions yeah and i can't wait to get my hands on that technology it sounds absolutely fascinating but i I think it's worth any good salesperson familiarizing themselves with some of the fundamentals of of non-verbal communication and body language because that's generated from the limbic system it's very truthful it's very honest and there are a number of good books and resources ranging from Professor Paul Ekman's micro-expression piece to looking at, you know, people like Joe Navarro, the FBI, a body language guy who's, who's published some really good stuff. And he particularly does some good thing on comfort and discomfort indicators. So you can see those on the face and in the body language of, of the yep. customer. You know, feet pointing towards you um, is usually a comfort. Pointing away is a discomfort. Feet off the floor, they're more comfortable. Feet flat on the floor, they're discomfort. Those sort of things. I mean, we, we don't have time for that necessarily in this session. But in advance of Graham's amazing technology coming onto the market, that's a bit about salespeople having a good level of emotional intelligence. It's not my technology. It's no, <laughs> I, it's, uh, <laughs> in um, one resource for people, a very good book, Let's Get Real or Let's Not Play by Mahan Kalsar and Randy Illig. They have a thing that they talk about in that book of slow down for yellow lights in the sales process. A yellow, the analogy being that if you see a yellow light when you're driving your car, you're supposed to start to slow down. What most people do is drive through the yellow light before it turns red. Their idea in the sales process, if there are yellow lights, things you're not certain about, budget hasn't been discussed, you're not sure about something, you feel uncertain, you should slow down and verbalise it and either turn it red, as in the sale's finished, or it's a blocker, or or turn it green. And I think that would apply to Phil's process as well. Mm. I think what you're looking for in a semi-structured interview process or on an ongoing process, if you're not certain about something, you feel uncomfortable, you're not quite sure whether to say it or not, I think you should verbalise and ask and find out whether that's a yellow light that's going to turn into a red light and you lose the business or it's, it's a non-issue or it's something you can do about to turn it, to turn it green. So I think the, certainly when I read the book, The Slow Down for Yellow Lights, struck with me as a very good thought I mean it's a great it's a great book as well I think the last um, strategic point I'd like to mention for the uh, benefit of uh, sales managers sales directors listening to us um, is that I've always been a great believer in developing your business from the outside in 
i.e. find out how customers feel, find out how what customers want in the future. Uh, that was a piece of advice I was given years ago, and I think it's absolutely right. Strategically, if we develop the business from the outside in by finding out, by auditing customer feelings and perceptions, however we do that, face-to-face technology, yeah. that's got to be a very, very good, uh, line, good, good guideline for our uh, listeners today because the results will surely follow. But what happens then in those organisations where you you have got this kind of complacency level that you were talking about and you, you've got to put resources into doing all this monitoring, you go, well, we don't need to monitor them so much because we've already got a good relationship with them. Mm-hmm. So aren't you falling into the trap of we, we end up monitoring and, and doing data on the businesses that we've only just won and the, the custom that we're trying to get because that's really interesting to us and then... Actually, the business that we've had for the last few years, we become complacent and don't monitor them. No, I, I think I think that's my point. I think you've got to tap into how the customers feel, um, whether they be existing customers uh, that have been with us for years or, or prospects that are out there in the marketplace. But as a general principle, um, finding out what the customer expects mm. of us has got to be a good strategic uh, yeah. guideline, I think. I mean, I guess the... Um the, uh, the business graveyard is full of companies that died a death because they weren't close enough to the customers mm. or the world changed, their offering wasn't valid any anymore. And that's the nature of capitalism, that's the nature of business. So I think this is finding out what the customer wants, which mm. is the fundamental part of sales. So also just not taking them for granted, finding out is what you originally sold them still fit for purpose and mm. is it still satisfying their needs? Yep. So it is asking your girlfriend, do you still like me tickling you behind the ear? <laughs> There's, and I, I've, I've made a note of that technique. I, know, I, know. <laughs> I, have, to, I have to say to, to the listeners, you, you can't obviously see us because this is audio rather than video, but I've been desperately trying to stop myself from asking the question about Graham's girlfriend because my understanding is he's a very happily married man. So this is, this is absolutely news to me that he, that he, has, he has a girlfriend as well. But so I, I've said it now. There we go. It's out the, that, was my, that was my yellow light. I was going, oh, sure it's, you're It's right. out there. It's official. I think, I think we better call it a day before, before so, Graham's wife turns uh, up. So on behalf of Mrs. Jones and, and, and Graham's girlfriend, uh, this has been... <laughs> This has been uh, Phil Jesson, Graham Jones and Simon Hazeldean for the saleschatshow.com. Thank you very much for listening, folks. You have been listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. And from everyone here at the Sales Chat Show, we'd like to wish you good luck and good selling. (laughs) 